continuing my conversation on the core of your culture. You know, I was talking yesterday about getting to the root of your culture, the core of your culture of your program and thinking about that. And I've just been thinking more about it and some things happened between yesterday and today. And I just wanted to to come on and, and talk more about it. But here's the deal. The goal is purity. And when you think about pure, just kind of think about water. Like you want pure water. When you go to the mountains, you know, down here in McDonough, Georgia, the creeks are dirty and probably all types of pollution has creeped in. But when you go to the mountains, like I go to Gatlinburg every, every winter and we drive up and you see the creek, the water is so pure. And the further you go up the mountain, the more pure the water is. It's clear. I'm scared to drink it, but I really think I could drink it and not get sick. But that's the goal of our lives, like pure heart. Like we don't want anything that defiles it. And you just think about as the water flows down, all the chemicals and the trash and the waste, it gets into it. And then by the time it gets to McDonald, Georgia, it's disgusting water. It's disgusting creek water. But man, if you go to the source, it's pure. And I think that's what we're trying to accomplish. First and foremost, in our lives, the purity of our hearts. And, and the Bible says on the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So our goal in our lives is to strive for purity in our hearts. And as coaches, it's the same thing in our locker rooms. It's the same thing in our program. We want our program to be pure. Think about this as a football coach. Man, when I watch film and I see mistakes, I see infirmities, I see bad technique, all this kind of stuff. I want to, I can't wait to go to practice and fix that. I want to show the kids on film, look at your mistake. Let's correct this mistake and let's run this play better. And and what you're striving for is purity in your play. You want your play to be pure. You want your technique to be pure. And you're striving for that every single day. And so <clears throat> there's a great correlation between our, our football and what we want in our football and our culture and what we want in our culture. And we need to we need to start to analyze the very details and root of our culture. And, and at the end of the day, and the reason why I'm on the music kick is because the music is the influence of our culture. It's the influence of our kids. It's the influence of us. And that influences the culture of our football program. When I think about music, and, and you got to understand, I'm on the rap music kit because I'm a football coach. Like in our football culture, rap music is dominant. I mean, you don't hear a lot of country music in the football world. You don't listen to a lot of heavy metal, which is demonic. I, I refer to rap music as Sodom and Gomorrah, and I refer to heavy metal as pure hell. You know, so in, in hell, they're playing, you know, that's just complete apostate. They're playing heavy metal. But in Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, they're, they're headed for hell. That's <clears throat> that's rap music and, and, and really pop music like Miley Cyrus. I'll talk about that in a minute. But you think about this music 
And it's an expression, right? These people are expressing themselves, but it's demonic. Like, it's like, man, such evilness within a person's heart. You read the lyrics and you're like, wow, what wretchedness in a man's heart. But listen, out of the abundance of the heart speaks. Music is an expression of what is deep in your soul. Evil and wickedness want to be unleashed. So I want to express myself well, what is in myself? Wickedness, wretchedness, sinfulness. So I express it. And then the listeners, so we, we're the listeners. We want to listen, it, listen to it because our hearts are the same. <clears throat> so in Psalm 1, it says, blessed are those, I don't have my Bible out with me, but bottom line is blessed are those who follow God and not the ones who sit in the seat of scoffers and hang out with the sinners and hang out with the wicked. Well, you know, when I'm listening to the music, I'm hanging out with the wicked. I'm hanging out with the scoffers. But the Bible tells me that those people are going to perish. Those people, their lives are going to be a drastic failure when it's all said and done. But the righteous man who flees from those things, he will be like a tree planted by the river. And so we, we've got to constantly guard what's going on, what we're playing for our kids. And it's just like my son. My son is six years old, and I, mean, there's real, there, there, I have to guard what he watches. So he watches YouTube kids. I walked in the other day, and somebody, you know, we don't sit there and monitor it probably as we should, but, but you know, he's not going to watch YouTube. He's not going to watch certain things. But so I walk in there, he's watching YouTube kids. Well, somebody on the, on the show, a lot of times there's adults doing silly things so kids will watch. Is they keep using the Lord's name in vain. And Uriah knows that that's one of the Ten Commandments. You don't take the Lord's name in vain. You know, so I said, Uriah, they keep saying God over and over and over. I said, when you watch a show that, said, that takes the Lord's name in vain, you better turn it off. I said, I do not want to come into your room again and you be watching a show where I hear that they're taking the name, God's name in vain. You better turn it off or I'm going to take the iPad and you can't watch it anymore. And um, and he he's six year old. He understood. He instantly turned it off. Now, he doesn't understand what he's doing. He doesn't understand sin and his repercussions of sin and how taking the Lord's name in vain and not honoring God can lead to a host and multitude of other sins. <clears throat> but I needed to attack that. I needed to guard the culture of my house because I can't let that stuff creeping into uh, be creeping into my house or my house will be in turmoil. It's the same thing as a football coach. That's my house. Those are my those are my they're not my children, but that's my children, football children. I've got to guard my house. Guys, we're not playing this. I got to protect the culture of my locker room, of my weight room, and of my football field. And I was thinking about this this morning. The goal, okay? The goal is we want our kids to be motivated from the inside versus being motivated from the outside. That's intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation. Oh, I need the, I need the music to get pumped up. No, you don't. You're, you're weak, so you need an external motivator to get you going. It's the same thing. Like, man, if I have to use, man, if you don't work hard, you won't get a scholarship. 
that shows me that that kid doesn't have any internal drive. I'm having to motivate him from outside circumstances. And I get, as a leader, I have to use those. I have to use the scholarship. I have to use the playing time. I have to, but it, it discourages me because I want my players to be motivated from within. I want to be great. On the and I don't need music to motivate me. I don't need the scholarship to motivate me. I don't need the ability to start to motivate me because I, on the inside, have a desire to be the very best that I possibly can be, and I'm going to work towards that every single day. And that's what I'm striving to create as a football coach: intrinsic motivation. I don't like to use punishment because I will use punishment, don't get me wrong, but I don't like to because it tells me that I have failed to motivate the soul of a young man, the football soul of a young man. I have failed, and now I have to use extrinsic extrinsic things such as punishment to motivate this young man, so I keep challenging myself, but that's our goal, and that's why, man, coach, because uh, pe- you guys probably think I'm crazy, like, man, you got to play that music, man, so they'll get, they'll get fired up and they'll get hype or whatever you know you want to say and I, I would disagree with you no we're trying to create a culture where that young man is ready to play when it is time when he can from within himself this competitive instinct and drive and passion it needs no external forces to get him going that's the desire now I know that's hard to do I believe the core of your culture is integrity now what's integrity Integrity is doing what's right when no one's watching. Now you got to define what's right. You know, what the world says is right and what I say is right is two different things. You know, so I define what's right by what the Bible says is right. So either way, you know, doing what's right when no one's watching. And I was talking to the boys about the integrity of an athlete. Well, when I tell you to do 10 reps and you do nine reps, you lack integrity. When, when I tell you to touch the line and you don't touch the line, you lack integrity. <clears throat> so when you think about what integrity is, it's, it's failing to meet a standard and being okay with failing to meet that standard. And, and, and at a deeper level, I mean, integrity is cheating and it's, it's not being honest. It's, it's, it's sin against God. You know, so like integrity, you just kind of look at it like this. Integrity is doing what's right when no one's watching. Well, God's always watching. So now it's doing what's right while God is watching you or because God is watching you or because I want to honor God. So, and I'll keep coming back to integrity, but here's the thing, coaches, like, you know, I know I'm talking about the music that we listen to because I'm talking about culture and I'm getting to the core of our culture. Like I'm attacking what we don't even think about, but here's the deal, we just play music. And we don't think about what we're playing. Like we are blind and we don't see the depravity of the music that we're subjecting our kids to. We don't see it. It's surface level. We just see the music and we play it. We're not getting to the root of what's being told to our young men. And we're depraved. We're blind. We just blindly do it. We just blindly play it. We're slaves to it. Like we're not thinking about what we're doing. And then we glory in our depravity. So, like, you think about the, I'm just going to talk about rap music for now, but you, you could, you know, you could talk about Miley Cyrus. She's worse than, she's, she's disgusting. And I, and I can honestly say that I've never 
listened to a Miley Cyrus song and I've never watched her or anything. But this morning I got up and I went to country music and the, uh, one of the top songs in country music was, uh, because it's all, it's all demonic. It's just, you don't listen to country music at, at, during football. <clears throat> you know, so this, this one guy, I don't even know his name, Whiskey Glasses. It's a top five song right now. It's country music. And, you know, so I went and read the lyrics, didn't listen to a song, read the lyrics, and he's just talking about drinking whiskey all night. Like, basically, he's a drunk and how whiskey drowns his sorrows away. Well, that that's it, Coach, if you're playing that for your boys and you're allowing that to be played, then, then don't get upset when they're getting drunk every night and they're getting DUIs and they're getting in trouble. I mean, yeah, you, you had a hand in that. And then Miley Cyrus, so if you go to, the, like, the pop music, Miley Cyrus, <clears throat> she has a song called Unholy. Yeah, it's demonic. You know, it, it has that. I mean, it's disgusting. And it's crazy that parents are allowing their 14, 13-year-old daughters, 15-year-old daughters to listen, to listen to this girl. You know, I wouldn't let my 40-year-old self listen to that girl. And here's what's worse. We're, their parents are taking their children to the concert. And so we talk about culture and we talk about protecting your house. All you're doing, you're violating your house. You're creating a toxic culture. You're creating a disgusting culture. You're creating a demonic culture. So when, you're, when your daughter at 14, 15, 16 year old start having sex, well, you let her listen to Miley Cyrus. You have a hand in that. You allowed it to happen. And so as, as leaders, we gotta take ownership, right? You know, coach, that's not my fault. I can't control everything. My favorite quote from the movie, Remember the Titans, is when one defensive end looks at the other defensive end, he says, attitude reflects leadership, Captain. It's our job to be the leader. And guess what? When you're the leader, you have to guard the hearts and guard the integrity of your locker room and your weight room and anything around your program, you have to guard the integrity of it. And when you're allowing trash to come into it, you have violated the integrity of, of it. And so now you have built and modeled poor behavior, destructive behavior, and you're the leader. Same thing for a mom and a dad. You know, if I, if I allow my son to sit around and, and listen to shows that do not honor God, then I shouldn't be surprised when I have a son that A, doesn't desire to honor God, B, has no respect for authority, and C, is disrespectful and destructive as a six-year-old. <clears throat> so, now, the things that I'm, I'm teaching and preaching is, is radical, it's transformational, it's countercultural, you know, and, and you would think like, I, but you have to understand something. I don't cast off my players who listen to rap music. And in fact, my, I, I do not allow rap music in the locker room, but they're, they are allowed to have headphones on in the locker room. They're not allowed to walk on the football field with them on, but they're allowed to have headphones on in the locker room. Now, I'm, I'm not dumb. You know, I know what they're listening to. I know it's not trash, but at the end of the day, I can't change a man's heart. I can't, I can't give him the desire to be holy. I can only point him in the direction of holiness. And far be it from me that I would ever model unholiness, poor behavior, lack of integrity, drinking, smoking, guns, disrespecting of women. 
That's why the music that we play in our locker room, we're allowed to be playing in our locker room, is modeling a behavior. And so you got to think, are we coaching the athlete or are we coaching the future husband, the future daddy, the future leader of America? Because if all I'm doing is coaching the athlete, I'm going to give him whatever he wants or what he thinks he needs to be successful. So if I need to play Savage 21 or 21 Savage or Drake or all, if or, or Miley Cyrus or drinking whiskey, it just, I mean, depends. I mean, I guess if you're up in the mountains of Tennessee, maybe drinking whiskey's what the kids want to play before the game. But where I am, you know, it, it's 21 Savage and Drake and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of why I'm, I'm kind of hitting on rap music and not country music. So maybe, maybe you're a coach up in the hills of, um, of Tennessee or Kentucky or West Virginia and you need to think about the country music that you're playing for your boys or maybe you're in an area where it's just pop music and, and you want to play Miley, Miley Cyrus and all that kind of stuff you need to be that that's trash so um but you know you have to be thinking about um what am I challenging how are we challenging our boys God wants to use us as coaches to transform lives, not just make football players. And back to my original point, I lost my train of thought. If all I'm doing is trying to create an athlete, trying to help me win football games, then I'll play him whatever he needs to play to think that he needs to get motivated. I'll play the 21 Savage man. That is, is I'll, I'll, I'll sing you drinking and driving if you think that's gonna what's if that's gonna what makes you play better. Because all I'm doing is coaching the athlete. I'm not coaching the husband. I'm not coaching the daddy. I'm not coaching the man that 40 year old and could be a leader in the community, a leader for his family, a bright light, a light that shines for the glory of Jesus Christ. I'm not coaching that kid. Okay, I'm coaching the athlete, and I, and, and I need him to produce right now. And so whatever he needs to produce is what I'm going to give him. Coaches, that's what we do. That's what we do. We use these kids. And you might, no, I don't. I'm helping him. I'm helping him get in a scholarship. Yeah, you're helping him thrive from 18 to 22, but you're not helping him thrive as a husband and a father. And then there's no way. Your legacy is, man, think about this. Your legacy. Everybody cares about their legacy. I, I don't sit around and think about my legacy, but... Here's what I want my legacy to be. I impact this young man to be a great father. He becomes a great father. He has four children. He's a great father for, to those four children. They go on to be, to be great fathers and mothers. And then they have 12 children between them all. Each has three. And you are transforming the world through being a football coach. And so, and I, and I honestly believe this, man, a football coach who doesn't just invest in the athlete, but invests in the soul, invests in the intellectual academics, and, and invests in the social aspect of a young man, he's going to create a much better athlete. Just because you invest just in the athlete, and you think it's weird that I care about the spiritual aspect, the social aspect, the intellectual aspect of a player, doesn't mean that you're creating a better athlete than me. What it really means is I'm, because I'm, because I'm going to strive to create just as good as athlete as you. I'm going to work hard each and every day to create the athlete that you're creating. You're not going to do anything that I'm not going to do in creating the athlete, but I'm investing in the other three areas of a man, the social, the intellectual, the spiritual. Is that not a more well-rounded individual? Is that not an individual who will be more productive than just the athlete? 
Because if all you're doing is coaching the athlete, then he's going to be a victim of circumstances. His attitude will always be reflective of his circumstances. If he has a good game, he's happy. If he has a bad game, he's sad. If, if you don't throw him the ball enough, he's, he's, he's sad. He's not about team. He's about self. So it's, it's, that's what all this is about. And it's radical. It's transformational. It's countercultural. It's what Tony Dungy did um, in investing in the lives of people, not just in the lives of an athlete. And here's one thing we have to think. They are doing what you say because, like, as coaches, your players are going to do what you say because you have what they want. I was at a camp yesterday. And, and, and listen, man, I'm not judging any of these coaches at camps and the music that they play because they know not what they do. And that's why I'm having these conversations, and hopefully some coaches will listen. <clears throat> but, like, I'm sitting there, and I walk by a high school coach, and, and the, there was a song going on. And, uh, man, I wrote it down here. Um, oh, here it is. There's a song going on. It's a popular song now. I don't know who wrote it, but but I kept hearing this. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Um, and so I walked by this coach, and um, hold on. Maybe I have it written right here. Oh, I can't find it. <clears throat> but um, so can't nobody tell me nothing. You guys know them song. I think it's a rapper trying to act like a country music star or something like that. And um, but the only thing I kept hearing was can't nobody tell me nothing. And um, and so, and and let me tell you something, man. It's a good song. It's a catchy song. My flesh like it. Like I think it's like can't nobody tell me nothing. And like all day long. That can't nobody tell me nothing is going on in my head. Now think about this as a coach. The coach, the coaches are playing that song. And then I walk by a high school coach. He's like, man, I love this song. It's the high school coach. He's like, I love this song. But I'm feeling him like, man, yeah, it's it's a catchy song. But I'm but I, but let's get to the core of the culture. The coaches are telling their players, do what I tell you to do. Do this, do this, do this. And the players on the field, they're doing it because you have something they want. You have extrinsic motivation. You have a scholarship or you have playing time. So they're doing, man, they all look like they're fired up now. But you're playing. So while you're telling them to obey everything that you say and to be disciplined and be this and be this, you're playing a song. And over the song, over the loudspeakers, we're hearing, can't nobody tell me nothing. And we hear it over and over and over. And it's catchy and our flesh likes it. So now it's in my brain. Like I'm singing it for you right now. I listened to it for two minutes at the at the football camp yesterday. And um, and so now the kid goes out to the bar. You, you've told him not to go out and get drunk and, 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 and not to do all these things and not to drink and drive. You told him not to smoke dope. You've been telling him all those things in your culture talks and your leadership talks, but oh crap, you just played can't nobody tell me nothing. So he goes to the bar and guess what? At the core of who he is, can't nobody tell him nothing. You can't tell him to smoke dope and he's going to do it. You can't tell him to not go to the bar and get drunk. He's going to do it. You can't tell him not to violate women. He's going to do it. Why? Because his flesh wants to do it. And now you, you don't have extrinsic motivation anymore. There, he's not thinking about that scholarship anymore. He's not thinking about that playing time anymore. What he is thinking about is what he wants. And so you have, you've created a man that only responds to extrinsic motivation. So what he wants and he desires, 
that's what he chases and that's what he goes after. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Think about that. And, and so the high school football coach, I love this song. Man, that's dangerous, coach. That's dangerous. I hear you. I love the song. It's great. But I can't allow my ears to listen to it because it's at the end of the day, it's destructive. And, you know, it's cool. I mean, you go to these camps, man. Hey, these colleges, you have 1,500 boys on your campus, and you had a chance to model a correct behavior. But I'm a Christian football coach, and I leave the camp, and I'm thinking, can't nobody tell me nothing. And, and you're like, coach, come on, man. Come on. Can't we have some fun? Can't No, you can't. Because, like, you have to see the end of where this is leading, right? I mean, I want to eat tw 20 Oreos, but if I do it, my flesh wants to do it, but if I do it, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be 400 pounds. I'll be a horrible coach. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You got to think about that stuff. Um, so, um, still, still got some notes for us here. Um, they're going to do what you say because you have something they want, but you are training them to choose right when the flesh uh, wants what is wrong. I will listen to you because you have what I want. I won't listen to you because you don't have what I want. This is where football is a great tool. We have what they want. They're listening to us. But are we using this platform, this tool that God has given us appropriately? And that's where you, as a coach, have to analyze you at your core. Are you really about helping a young man in life, or are you about you winning football games? Because if I'm about me winning football games, and I'm all about me, then I'm going to play the music that I need to play to motivate these kids to play like I need them to play. But if I'm trying to model a correct behavior in creating a husband, a father, and a man who's going to impact the community for good, a man who's going to impact the community for Jesus Christ, then I must use the game as a tool, a, and I must model the, the correct behavior. You know, we say, I was listening to PJ Fleck, you know, the big thing, kids have commitment issues. What I, what I would like to do and I don't know if PJ Fleck would let me or not. And I don't. I would like to go up there and listen to what they allow to be played in the locker room, and during the game, and in the weight room. And I don't want him to change it before I get there. And I would. I would just like to write. I would like to take every song that's being played, and I would like to take the lyrics. And what I would do is I would make a little book for for PJ Fleck, and and I, in it I would be like you know. I, P.J. Fleck, they're being taught not to be committed in every single song that you play for them. And then you're complaining that kids have commitment issues. Kids aren't loyal. But coach, you're telling them to be committed. You're telling them to be loyal. You're telling them to have these virtues. But the music you play is directly opposed to the man you want to create. So at what point? Coach, does attitude reflect leadership? And I'm not calling out P.J. Fleck because we all do it. We all lead poorly, and we need to analyze what we're doing. We all, and P.J. Fleck's the king of the culture talk. 
But what, Coach, have you read the lyrics of what your kids are listening to? Have you read the lyrics of what you're allowing in your locker room, in your weight room, and before the game? And for example, my dad, who preached for 30 years, he's, re- he's, he's got... Uh, He's got two 13-year-olds in his house, and my dad goes to the, uh, he's 70-something years old. He loves going to Virginia Tech basketball games. He's like, he's like, no, he didn't call me coach. He's like, man, they play this song. This is our house, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, dad, I know you think that's cool. And and you're, you're you know, the, so the 13, you know, Lacey and Julia, 13-year-olds, so you think it's cool, and you're listening to the song, and you're getting all excited. I was like, do you know what that song is saying? He's talking about this is our house, and he's bringing a girl in. He's going to have sex with her all night. Like He's treating a woman like a piece of meat. And you have two 13-year-old daughters, and you think this. But my dad, he never listened to the lyrics because all he could understand was, this is my house, play the music too loud or something, or turn the music up, whatever. And I was like, Dad, go read the lyrics of that song. And he's allowing that outside influence into our kids. So... Here's the deal, man. Like, if if what's the problem with pornography? The problem with pornography is that women are are treated as sex objects. They only exist for a man's sexual escapades. Well, guess what? Uh, this is our house, or whatever that song is called. It's basically pornography in words. So the women exist only for my sexual exploitation. And so now, like, you have two 13-year-old do- girls, and you're endorsing their only value being having sex with all night long, you know? And and you guys can call me crazy, and you can say this and that, but I think in our culture, we have a, you know, you see it, it gets worse and worse. You know, girls are uh, being sexually trafficked, um, and these are American girls. Girls are being sexually trafficked. Women are being sexually assaulted, um, you know? So, so where's the, why is this? You know, it's not, it's not the politician's fault. We all blame politics. It's, it's our fault. It's what we're allowing our children to listen to. So attitude reflects leadership, Captain. The music, let me tell y'all something. Coach, I love this music. You don't know what you're talking about. This music's so good. I do. I understand the music is good, right? I could listen to, uh, what's that song? I wrote down the lyrics. Uh, can't nobody tell me. I could listen to that all day, man. My flesh loved that song. It's awesome. It's great. Can't nobody tell me. It's still in my head, but the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to die to that song, man. But the music is so good. Our flesh crave it, craves it, longs for it, just like the apple that Satan tempted Adam and Eve with. They lusted after that apple. They longed for that apple. They wanted that apple, and Satan's like, it won't kill you. It's good for you. Go eat of it. Go have it. Don't listen to Coach Guess. He's an idiot telling you this music is destructive. He's insane. He's a moron. He has no idea what he's talking about. That's what Satan told Adam and Eve. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm Coach Guess. He told them that about God. And guess what? They ate the apple. And guess what? We're all suffering the ramifications of sin and death. But praise be to God. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for our sins. So um, 
Another thing I think that you we're talking about garden purity in your heart and we're teaching our young men how to be pure and how to guard their minds and their hearts and their souls. Guess what? They're going to be a husband and a wife one day. And you, we ha- I have to, and my wife has to, guard the purity of our hearts. I have to guard my eyes. I have to make sure and fight for every single day that I only have eyes for my wife. And that makes my marriage pure, that I have a desire for her and no one else. But I can't listen to this music and not have lust in my heart. I want, and, I, and I want everybody to understand something. So... When I was in the Air Force, I became a Christian. And so, man, I was a Christian. I was newly married. Now, we were headed for divorce, but God, man, I surrendered my life to Christ by the grace of God. God opened up my eyes to my sin and my depravity. And so I'm listening to this music. And so anyways, I, I, I want to be a Christian. So first thing God convicts me of is my mouth. You know, like I, I need to quit cussing this and this. And then the second thing that God, I remember sitting in my car one day, and, you know, I want to be, I want to have pure thoughts about my wife. I don't want to lust after women. You know, I'm 24, 25 years old, but I, I loved rap music. And I remember sitting in my car one day, like, and I was just like, Lord, I don't, why do I have lustful thoughts? Why can I not get these thoughts out of my brain? And God had my eyes go straight to the radio. And on the radio was a vile and wretched song. And talking, you know, just just all just talking about sex and all this kind of stuff. He said, "That's why." And so, right then, I was convicted of the music I listen to destroys me. Now, I didn't just I stop cold turkey, stop listening to the to the trash rap music. And and as a coach, I've I've grown right, you know, um, to where I'm very protective over what the music is. But it took me two or three years probably to completely get off of. Of, of, the, of that music uh, because it was so destructive and of God's work in my life. But that, but that music was destructive to me and my, my marriage with my wife being pure. And at the end of the day, guys, there's a better way. And the Bible says this, Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So you, so here's a litmus, litmus test for you and what's being played in your locker room, in your weight room, on your football field. Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is there any excellence in this? Is there anything worthy of praise in this? Then play it. But if not, don't play it. And coach, you got to guard your locker room and your culture every single day. You can't blindly let outside influences into your locker room or your locker room will be destroyed. It's the same thing with your family. If I allow my children to listen to destructive music and 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 it even like, well, I don't I didn't know that they were listening to that music. Well, that's your fault. You know, if you don't watch film and see where you made your mistakes, you're a bad coach. If you don't watch what your kids are watching and you don't analyze what they're doing and look at their iTunes account and watch their Snapchat and watch their Instagram and watch this and, and analyze it and, and be connected to it, then, then you're a bad parent. 
And you would tell me I was a bad coach if I didn't watch film, break it down, and correct the mistakes. It's the same thing. I'm a bad parent if I don't keep a watchful eye on my child and guard the mistakes and the influences from the outside. So, um, and then last story. I know this is long. You might not even you might not even get to this point. Man, I was walking 2000, 2012. I'm walking around the track, and you know God's working on me. You know, and He's kind of convicting me. You need to quit running your mouth before a football game because as coaches, man, we sit there and try to motivate the kids, and, and we think we're good coaches. Man, He motivates His kids so good. It's kind of silly, and the Lord just kind of convicted me. Hey, man. You need, to, you need to let me be the strength of this football team. You, you try way too hard. You try to motivate. You try to say things. You talk too much. And, he, and he's really, really convicted me of what I do pregame. He's like, you know, you talk about the opponent too much. You talk about other players too much. You try to incite their flesh to not like the other team and to go play. And, and basically, God was like, why don't, you, why don't you let me do the motivation? And I was listening to a song. And, and I'll give Josh Shockley credit. Josh, I don't know if you listen to these or not, but you should. You should listen to these. I'm going to send you this one. But bottom line is Josh Shockley power cleaned 380 pounds in high school as a junior listening to 10,000 Reasons. And I thought he was weird. He, he asked me to play 10,000 Reasons. I'll play the music. I'll play a song for a kid. Now, either it has to be Christian rap or usually they all pick Christian rap, right? So, so Josh, he says, play this song for me. So I played it. Well, this was a worship song. I'm like, man, what a weirdo. That's what I thought. <laughs> this was 2012. I'm like, what a weirdo. And, um, man, this sucker goes up to the bar. 380 pounds now, high school. Power cleans, 380. And so that started convicting me. Oh, I think I got to play rap music. I got to do. I got to get the kids all fired up, and, and they'll perform. This kid just played a a... Christian worship song, 10,000 Reasons by Matt Redman and Power Clean 380. I'm like, I'm an idiot. So I'm walking around the track and God's like, look what I did. Look what I did. Power Clean 380 pounds playing worship music to me. You know, King David in the Bible killed his tens of thousands. He wrote the Psalms, which are worship music. He wasn't playing 21 Savage before he went and killed his tens of thousands. He was playing, he was singing worship music. So either way, God's like, you know what you're going to do? He's like, you're going to play 10,000 reasons. You're going to get everybody on your football team before the game. Everybody's going to take a knee. You're going to bow your heads, turn off the lights. You're going to play 10,000 reasons, and you're not going to say anything. I was like, oh, Lord, I'm not doing that. They're going to think I'm so weird. They're going to think I'm a nerd. I can't do this. And um, bottom line, I left the conversation, I can't do it, God. And God left the conversation, you will do it. So we go, and it was going to be a big scrimmage versus Dutchtown in 2012, and, and you know they thought they were going to come over and kill us. Everybody always thinks that, and sometimes they do. And, um, and, and so I was really nervous. I didn't want to lose this Dutchtown. I didn't want to embarrass myself. You know, I got a lot of people that aren't Christians around my program, and, on my, and especially my players. And um, I'm like, oh, they're going to think I'm so weird. And I'm going to play this 10,000 Reasons before the Dutchtown game. What if we get destroyed? Either way, I didn't want to do it, but I'm like, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be faithful. So I got the team together. I didn't say anything. I didn't try to get them all fired up. Like, y'all are playing Dutchtown. Dutchtown thinks they're going to come over here and wear your tail out. I didn't, I didn't say anything like that. I said, guys, take a knee. 
play 10,000 Reasons. And it was an amazing experience for one. And and all the kids, except for DJ Curl, who's now a pastor, enjoyed it. DJ hated it. But DJ, I'll tell you now, is the greatest thing that ever happened to him. But then in the moment, he hated it. So we, I, we played 10,000 Reasons worship music, and we destroyed them. 21 nothing at halftime. This was a scrimmage, but it was 21 nothing at halftime. And from that point forward, in our program, every single uh, time before a game, we play 10,000 Reasons. And um, I thought it was funny because we were going to play Stockbridge the other day for a scrimmage and, man, playing early. And Justin Robinson, he's committed to Georgia. I've told a story about him before. Justin's like, Coach, are we playing a song tonight? I said, nah, man, I didn't bring the – just, it's just a scrimmage. I was like, let's just, let's just go out there and let's just go play. We don't have much time. And uh, he said, all right. And uh, so he puts his headphones on. I was like, well, are you going to listen to it? He said, yeah, I'm going to listen to it. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world uh, is that Justin was listening to 10,000 Reasons before the game. And I'm sure he listened to Drake and 21 Savage too. Justin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I love you, you know, either way. But, like, I just like the fact that he was he was uh, listening to 10,000 Reasons and he went out in the first half. He played corner, had three pass breakups. He had uh, four catches for uh, 106 yards, a touchdown. And guess what he listened to before the game? 10,000 reasons. And so it just goes to show you, man, like we, we think that we have to give kids what we think they want. But coaches, we have a chance to give them what they need. And when we give them what they need, it's going to make them more powerful and they're going to buy into it. That's it for today. It was a long podcast. Maybe you'll listen, maybe you won't. But man, I really want to stop, to um, challenge us all, meet myself included, because I'm not there yet, to, to create great cultures within our program that are going to help our kids be committed and loyal, that are going to help our kids become great husbands and great dads and men who are going to impact the community for Jesus Christ, because that's our legacy. You know, nobody's going to care about the football games we won. Joe Paterno, Penn State, he won a whole lot of football games. I don't think the legacy he left was very good. And so um, we got to be careful about what we're chasing as our legacy. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today. I just want to praise and thank you for loving us. Praise and thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, I praise and thank you for your Holy Spirit that constantly is transforming us, Lord. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, we can look at the game of football as a tool. It is not a game. It is a tool to build men for Jesus Christ, Lord. And the the world tells us that if we use the game as a tool that we can't win. But Lord, if the opposite is true, if we don't use the game as a tool, we won't win. Lord, I just pray that you continue to transform our souls, continue to build godly coaches out there, Lord. And I pray for those coaches who are trying to do it right. Lord, I pray for any coach that might be listening to this who's on the fence. I don't know if what Coach Guess is saying is right. Well, I hope they understand it's not what Coach Guess is saying. Lord, it's what the Holy Spirit is is driving me to say out loud publicly. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Bless our steps, Lord. Give us a spirit to work. Give us a great attitude. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my soul.
Your heart. 
worships your holy name. Yes, I will worship your holy name. Lord, I worship your holy Worship your holy name. Worship your holy name. 